Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey friends, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast episode is sponsored by my favorite books. Not literally, but I did create a book list for you with all of my favorite books for self-love and body image and self-confidence and just overall self-healing and growth. I am a huge personal growth person. And to be honest with you, a lot of the things that I talk about come from the books that I've read. I'm a big reader and I always tell my little sister, readers are leaders. And I love audiobooks. I love book books. I love Kindle. I love all the forms of books. Just give me all the goods. So I decided to create a book list for you with my top 25 favorite books. And I actually add to this list. So there's probably going to be more than 25 books on it. But I have narrowed it down to top 25 books that you need to read to start the self-love journey. I'm not saying you have to read all the books right now, but you should have this list handy dandy for when you're getting a book on Amazon or shopping in your Audible or whatever. So I've created this book list and you can get it at maryscupoftea.com slash books. And I will also put it in the show notes. And let me know how you like these recommendations by screenshotting what you're reading and tagging me in your Instagram stories. I always love seeing you use my recommendations. It just makes my whole day because we're like a little community. So anyways, maryscupoftea.com slash books. Go get it. Welcome to another episode of Mary's Cup of Tea. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, Jasmine Steiner. She's at Married Mom and Mantras on Instagram, and I've been following her for a while, have been wanting her on the show, and today it is happening. So hi, Jasmine. Welcome. How are you? I am doing well, Mary. Thank you so much for having me on your show because I am honored to be on it. (laughs) Oh, thank you for being here. So before we dive in, I just want to tell our audience who you are and what you're about. Um, You're a wife, you're a mother of twins, a blogger, a veggie lover, a life coach, trainer, and passionate self-love advocate. And I think what I love the most about your page and why I relate to it is even though I'm not a mom and a wife yet, I just love your approach to self-love and how you show the raw and the real parts of it. And usually the parts of self-love that are real, but like not as sexy as like a girl taking a bubble bath. (laughs) So you just keep it totally real on your page. And I, it's refreshing. So thank you so much for doing that. Oh, no, I appreciate it. I definitely look up to women like you who keep me motivated to keep going and keep sharing and being vulnerable. And it's like, it just pushes me to, to continue that journey. So I'm yeah. also thankful for you because I've been following you for a minute, like super creepy style. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> yeah. oh that's so awesome. Well, I'm honored. I was telling you like on a more personal note, I um, was actually recording a podcast episode, which at this point would have been out for a week. Um, but I record them on the same day. And what I was talking about was why I'm in therapy. And the biggest reason why I'm in therapy is because of my fears around marriage and relationships and even like, you know, having children, even though I really want all of those things, but because of my childhood and things I went through vicariously with through my parents, it just, it makes me panicked. And so seeing you and your page and how you share, like even the little imperfect moments or the real moments or like your daily life, 
Um, it just, it's so reassuring to me that that is possible. So I just wanted to one, thank you, but also ask you like, what has your journey been and, and what led to that being some of your main message? Um, well, I, I originally started off being like a fitness page. Like that was my thing. And, you know, then I, I like that my husband, Oh, at the time I swore he wouldn't have been my husband because I was just out of a relationship. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. And it just like, we became friends. Like we just clicked so well and it just kind of evolved from there. Um, and self-love was not really anything, even when I was competing um, and like bodybuilding and stuff, it was never something I really could say like, oh, I loved myself then. I was full of myself then, but it wasn't, it was more out of insecurity because competing allowed me to control how I looked. And so it made me have this like false self-worth that I thought I had, but I was still very insecure about everything. Like, even when I was like the lowest body fat, I was like, at one point like, like 10% body fat, I was so self-conscious. I was like, oh, I have this and this and this, and like nitpicking so much to where it's like, I was still not happy. And then I had my, I got pregnant with my twins and I was just so excited. I was kind of terrified because it's my first pregnancy. Um, but then after my twins, I knew from like the first time I got out the hospital, my stomach didn't like flatten out, like how you kind of see on Instagram where you're like this, oh, she just had a baby. Like, and look how great she looks and I was like looking at my stomach and it was like hanging over and I like had to like lift it up to see my c-section and I just remember crying and sobbing and I just like I didn't recognize myself and I was like okay well it'll get better and like honestly like there was like two things to where I had to kind of embrace to to go toward the journey of self-love and one of them was I had this bully and she bullied me for like a year and a half, two years, maybe. And she told me, and it's funny because like this, like this rings in my, she told me a whole bunch of cruel things, but like one thing she told me, she was like, I would amount to nothing more than saggy skin and stretch marks. And Mm. that just like rang in my head all the time. And I was like, I can't. And I would look at myself and I'm like, I have put so much worth into like looking a certain way. And that's what I thought my value lied in. And that that's what I could contribute. And then when my appearance was no longer like, oh, like you're going to be a fitness model was like, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? Like that was my plan and my plan was no longer there. And so I realized, oh, I need to dig deeper because this is just not going to work. And I had to figure out that one, I am stretch marks and saggy skin. That's true. But <laughs> I am not, that's not who I am. That's just a part of me, just like anything else, just like the title of mother and anything. It's just, it's a part of me. and. I, it was more like a defiance toward like, well, if that's what you think about me, I am going to prove you wrong. <laughs> and I, I decided like, you know, what? I'm going to share my stomach because like, there's no way like I'm going to let this person tell me like and dictate where I'm going to go in my life purely because of my physical reasons. And I had to realize I have more to give to this world and I am more than just a physical being. And so that just kind of like became the catalyst of change. Um, for me that that's how like my journey of self-love really started. Uh, I, I didn't know that you compete in bodybuilding competitions too. Yeah. That, that's why it was so ironic when I saw your page. I was like, Oh my gosh, you came from a similar background, you know, where it's this hyper focus on image and 
the crazy thing is like you're getting judged purely on how you look like nobody knows how hard anybody's work and it's just like it's purely opinion and you're just trying to please like piece somebody's opinion at the end of the day like I've seen people win where I'm like, shouldn't the other guy have won? And then I realized I'm like, this is just a battle of opinions on how people look like. And it's just mm-hmm. so unfair. And it just catapulted me into, you know, eating disorder and just really bad self-image and, you know, gaining a lot of weight after the show. And just, it was not the, it's not something I'm glad I went through that just because the lessons I learned, but it's not something I would put myself through again, because that's just not where I want to be. Yeah, of course. I really relate to that. And especially with like the bully you were talking about, my biggest bully was myself. Well, of course, until after I quit competing, because I don't know if you experienced this, but I still have people from that world that I knew back then, like coming to snoop on my page and occasionally sliding in the DMs and telling me how unhealthy I am and how I'm promoting obesity. Like that comes from a lot of people. What? Yeah. Yeah. So oh my gosh. It's culty, right? Like fitness is a little culty. It's, the body it, Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I've gone through my yeah, that it's definitely and the thing is even when cuz we think that oh, a six pack means health, but like even when I had a six pack, I actually went into my mild kidney failure twice because my body wasn't breaking down the proteins right. And ended up being hospitalized twice because of it. And I was like, this is just not worth it. Like I'm literally killing myself mm-hmm. to have this six pack to be lean and to do all these things, like working on like five hours a day. And I'm like, this is not what I want to do because this is not longevity. This is some short-term goal I'm having to compete, you know, to lean down in 12 weeks. But what about like when I'm 80, like are my kidneys still going to be working? Do I need a kidney transplant? You know, like thinking about a long-term commitment to myself. And that's not something for me that was like long-term It's just something I appease my ego more than anything. Yeah. And I think that it's like really brave to say that, to just like admit that to yourself. I, we have so much in common. I was in the hospital twice because of kidney infections. It wasn't like (laughs) kidney failure, but two kidney infections in the hospital because it's so painful. Um, And they ran my blood and they're like, why do you have so much protein? Like, are you Phil Heath? (laughs) Why do you have so much protein (laughs) in your blood? No, it was just such a moment for me. That's that a turning point for sure for me too. Um, and I'm so glad that my body like said, stop <laughs> because mm-hmm. mentally I could have kept going just because I was so trapped in diet culture and this idea of having the perfect body. Yeah. The attention and validation it gives you for sure. Oh yeah. So when you like, when you stopped competing and and stopped doing this to yourself and how did you know to like I don't know start treating yourself kindly like what was that transition like um pregnancy was <laughs> I got pregnant actually right after my show um like literally like right after um that's that's the only reason I think like I honestly feel like my twins saved me from myself like they were the catalyst to the biggest change of who I was and what I valued within myself that I I can't only attribute it to like, God bless me with them. Because at that time, like I was, I, it was funny because I remember looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, why am I gaining weight? I'm dieting. I was trying to diet and work out. I was working out harder, trying to like lose this weight. And then I just kept gaining. And then I, was, and I didn't, I didn't find out I was pregnant until I was almost like three months pregnant. Cause I was so small at the time and just, I wasn't showing. 
Mm-hmm. And then next thing I know, I'm like, oh man, like I found out I was pregnant and I'm like, I'm pregnant. And, and that was the reason why I had to start really taking care of myself and reevaluate it because I had to make sure that whole pregnancy that I stayed hydrated and, and like I kept having to get um, IVs during it um, mm-hmm. because I just struggled staying hydrated and keeping my electrolytes up, especially after having the kidney issues. And so it really forced me to like take care of myself different. And it was pregnancy was the only thing that caused me that was kind of aha moment beautiful I can't wait for them to (laughs) you can tell them that (laughs) yeah yeah, I'm like mommy's so grateful for you I tell them all the time though I always want them to know that I'm grateful for you my husband and I always tell them we're so grateful for you and I just want them to always know like you know it's not always perfect but that you do matter and that we're grateful that you're in our lives like you're not anything but like a gift to us yeah I'm I'm curious what was that like for you that shift of identity like that's a very drastic change from competing and it being all centered around what your body looked like to then being pregnant of like this miracle that your body holds right and that it's capable of um and then transitioning into motherhood like what was that like for you mentally and identity wise like was it all fun and games or was there ups and downs oh it was down it was really down it was it was I would call it like an ego death like you don't like I had to go from me 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 to and it was just really intense like my whole like okay the pregnancy I was already very disconnected with it just because I had a miscarriage beforehand and then my husband had open heart surgery like two months before the twins were born. And if he wouldn't have had surgery, he would have died. And so it was, that was just very stressful for me. And then right after I had the twins, I had postpartum depression so bad. Um, it, it was something that I really, at the time, like even when I look back on it, it's just like, well, I don't know how I got through that because there was the day, well, there's always a saying, it's like the days are long, but the years are short with kids, you know, like sometimes it's just, you get through those days. It's just like, you have to tough it out and get through the day. You have to just, it, it doesn't matter how you feel like they need you. Like they don't care about what's going on with you. They just need you. Yeah. And it was a very eye opening thing. It was in the mix of, you know, my husband, uh, we had a bar and a clothing store at the time. And those were like, we were going out of business and then, you know, then my husband ended up having to move to Oregon. And so I was with the twins a lot by myself and it was just a very low point in my marriage. It was a very low point in just my existence of, I was having an identity crisis. I was, you know, trying to manage twins, trying to deal with closing businesses. You know, my husband wasn't ready, really ready to be a dad at the time. And and it was so I was kind of like more reliant on my mom and and he's grown so much from that now now he's the one doing bath time with the twins and I I don't think I help most of the time I'm just like I'm just gonna stay downstairs you know but um it's just it was hard it was very hard pulling myself up from that but I did and I and I'm grateful for it I'm grateful that I hit that low because it made me realize like, wow, like I'm strong. Like I can get through a lot. And 
it just it allowed me to see my strength because I never really believed in myself. And for once I did something that took more than what I felt I could because those for that first year, it like every drop of energy I had was taken and then some. It was like I was constantly just giving mm-hmm. and I had to embrace it. I had to find the joy in it. I had to reevaluate my perception on life and myself. And it was, it was hard, but I, f- I feel like anybody can, anything bad happens to us, we can work through it, you know, and it's okay to mourn what we thought was going to be, but getting through it and trying to find the lessons for it, because there's always lessons in everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I felt though I was so weak, like even those moments I felt, felt so weak, even with my latest baby where I just like sit there with a migraine trying to put her to sleep and just crying like I can't do this and it's like no yes you can you can get through it like it's gonna be hard right now but just just tough it out and it's really helped me like gain resilience to life and Mm -hmm. just a different more optimistic um perspective on everything wow I'm so inspired (laughs) I know it's it's it sounds backwards I am so inspired well just knowing how far you've come um and just that self-talk I I always say like I don't know if you feel this way but when people message me it's usually they're asking me how to think like how to deal with things Mm -hmm. how to think about things and what that's really saying is like how do I self-talk my way through this right like they know I'm not going to wave a magic wand and fix their you know heartbreak breakup problem or their um, body image struggles or whatever like they just want to know how to think differently about things um and that's what like life coaching and therapy does it's like a shift in perspective it's like self-talk tools like say this to yourself like you've got this and then over time in that practice I mean you've done life coaching you you kind of start hearing your coach's voice and then your own voice together in your head telling you that you can do it that you are strong that this is going to build resilience that like it sucks (laughs) but you will get through this um so that that's what's inspiring it's like the level of self-talk that you had during that difficult time how did you learn to I know you probably didn't have a choice <laughs> um yeah you're living it but how did you like I, I think I did have a choice though um I think we always have a choice mm. and I think that's the thing where we don't realize it's funny because when I coach people like, a lot of the things that people get stuck on is like affirmations they're like, it just feels weird. I'm like, you, it feels weird because we're so used to hearing ourselves like talk bad to ourselves that we are so conditioned where, you know, you judge yourself when you look in the mirror, you tell yourself you can't like with these limiting beliefs that we have where it's, I can't, I don't have enough time. I don't have this. And all, and we make up these, these beliefs, you know, that become our truths, um, all based off of, you know, unconscious unconscious patterns that we've had from childhood and you know all the way through the years till we are now and you know I think like affirmations is one of the things where I had to tell myself like you're not that you are not just stretch marks and saggy skin like you are more than that and fighting that negative self-talk like I even do it now I catch myself in the mirror and I'm like you're just disgusting and I'm like no what what are you saying you know better than that you know that's not true. Like mm-hmm. just because you have a thought doesn't mean that thought needs to become a belief and does not need to become your truth. Like it's just a thought. 
Mm-hmm. And I have to like, I, I like talk myself through it, you know, cause it's not like once you get to a point of talking to yourself enough that it doesn't like come up, like those m- moments come up, mm-hmm. but I just chose, like, I don't want this for myself. I think a lot of times we, it's easier. Cause it's like how people come and ask me like, Oh, Oh, your hands must be, you must be so tired. You have twins. And I'm like, no, like I love having twins. This is great. And they look at me like I'm crazy, but what they want is for me to share my misery because they want to feel validated through themselves. And Mm -hmm. so we have this like where we like to share negativity. We like to, you know, gossip and do those things where it's not necessarily benefiting us Mm -hmm. and like having to learn, learn ourselves through it. It's like failing forward. It's not failure only like the, there's a book I read my twins and it talks about failure only happens when you quit. Mm-hmm. And so like you can have a flop, but it's like, just keep failing through it. And even if it's loving yourself, it's not going to just be, you get, you get it and it's done, but it's just something I like, I fought for. I just wanted, it's not even something like somebody told me, I just wanted it so bad because I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, ha- and I, I had to dig deep within myself. It wasn't anything that anybody could tell me. Cause you know, you can tell people you should love yourself. But they're like, but why or how? I can't, you know, and we'll just convince ourselves, even when we're going through the acts of doing things, it it can be so like, you know, uncomfortable, but it's like through that discomfort, through that pain on the, on the end of it lies, you know, you can't, you can't have your testimony without the test. You Mm -hmm. know, we all want the testimony of, oh, I love myself, but there's a test that you have to go through. It just doesn't happen. And I think that's something like, we all have to be willing. You just have to go through it head first. Like there's a song my kids listen to and it's, and it, they, they, they hit different um, like obstacles and it talks about like, go, go into a river. Well, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. Guess we have to go through it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, just go through it. You have to just go through it. And once you just realize it, the scary part is before you start going through it. Mm-hmm. The scary part is the thoughts you have beforehand, not the actual doing it. And I think once we just take that step and just, you know, the step of faith of like, you know what, I'm just going to let go and I want better and to like really fight for that. And I, that's, that's just how it kind of happened for me. That's what you did. That's what you made happen for sure. Yeah, that was <laughs> the conversation you talked about when people ask you about twins, like, Oh, is it so hard? And you're like, no, I love it. It reminds me of like, so silly but like that scene in Mean Girls where she's like I like your dress and she's like thank you so you (laughs) think you look pretty (laughs) and it's like (laughs) and that's not like a normal conversation for us and I was talking about it today on Instagram like we relate through negativity right like oh things are so bad oh no my your thighs aren't big mine are bigger like it's this constant especially with small talk with women unfortunately Mm -hmm. um I mean, like, what's that saying? It's like negativity, like, attracts more negativity. Like, it's like Mm -hmm. that herd mentality. It's like the crabs in, yeah, the crabs in a bucket, bucket. you know. Oh, my God. Tell about the crabs in a bucket because it's my favorite thing. Okay. Yeah. So crabs, I just, like, heard that recently, which is, like, really funny. But um, because crabs, when one is trying to escape out of the bucket, they like to pull each other back and down. And that's why like, even when you notice, like when your friends are like, oh, you changed, like, you know, be, ba- be who you were. It's like that crab in the bucket mentality. Like, we have to evolve mentally as people. We don't, I think kind of we get out of, 
grade school and we're kind of like, I'm not going to read anymore. I'm not going to grow. And, and we kind of like stay stagnant, but our brains like thrive on challenges and, and testing ourselves and doing new things. And, and, it, you know, as kids, we like, we'll try anything, you know, and we kind of lose that sense of like that beginner sense of, oh, it's okay to be, to be fresh at something, to be new at something and to try something that we never done before. And so it's just like that new, um, I don't know, kind of perspective. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if, if you literally YouTube crabs in a bucket, one crab can get out easily on its own, but everybody else pulls them down the other crabs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that so much. That's probably why people from my old like fitness life <laughs> message yeah. me because they want to be those crabs, like pulling me back into the bucket. Um, yeah. You said this phrase that I've heard before, but I haven't heard before. Like I kind of picture what it is, but I've never heard it spoken out loud. And I'm really interested in like your take on it. Ego death. What is Mm -hmm. that? What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, It sounds very gory, but it's something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We all need to go through that. Um. Ego is so, it, it's funny because a lot of times when we think about ego, we think ego of like, oh, I'm just full of myself. But ego, you know, ego it plays a part in almost anything we do, even when arguments, when we can't see other perspectives and we want to be right, when we want things a certain way, like even holding on to like, you know, our stances and not being able to communicate with each other, something as simple as that, all the way to like vanity, where it's like just full of ourselves. Um where it's the material earthly like values that we tend to have where it's like, well, you need to do this and do these things. And this is what happiness is. And like ego is like superiority and ego can even be inferiority. Um, But for me, it was like a superiority complex and just like really um, being into myself and not valuing people as much. And like, I was not mean, but I was definitely saw myself as like oh well, I'm better than you you know because I'm willing to do this and you know mm-hmm. even with our perspectives on anything it's like our egos want to fight it's like we can't agree to disagree and it's like if you don't agree with me then you're wrong and you're a bad person and you you just you're not my friend and I, I think a lot of times ego gets in our way because we want to be friend like I tell myself like I don't want to be friends with like-minded people like mm-hmm. I want to be friends with like-hearted people because like-minded people, like being around people that think like you is not going to help you grow. Being around people who have a heart as you that's open to communication is good. That is what's going to help you grow. Not people that are just going to tell you what you want to hear. I rather you tell me what I don't want to hear so I can see why it's triggering me to maybe reevaluate my perspective and either accept what you're saying and as something that I may need to you know, incorporate in my own life or, you know, be like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's different. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand, you know, I can understand from your perspective and people don't want to understand somebody else's perspective because then they feel like it's them being right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not about being right or wrong. There's everybody's perspective is right to them. Mm-hmm. And once you realize like every single person's right, no matter, and it's hard because you're like, no, no, no. If you're that, there's a the person that comes in your mind, you're like, they're not right. But it's like, no, their environment, their circumstances, the way they are, they fully believe that mm-hmm. that is their belief that they have, though it may not always be like 
even ethically right. That is their view. And we don't want to challenge ourselves to see other people's perspectives to be in their shoes. And I think for me, like an ego death is getting rid of wanting to speak first, wanting to be, you know, seen first, wanting, you know, the validation you know, like Instagram's hard because like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm an influencer, I have to have these likes and I have to do these things. And it's kind of hard because you can't, your value is something that is like based on likes and based on people's attention. Even for me, like ego is not seeking male attention because I, I had a dad who wasn't really emotionally available. And so I felt like even though I was in a relationship, I needed to always be like a sexual magnet, like I always need to be getting hit off. I'm not getting hit on. There must be something wrong with me, you know, and just stop being so focused on me and what I can do and doing more for others than that's being done for me. And ego just, just getting rid of that perception of like, you're the center of the world and realizing you're not. And it's hard because it goes against who we are, like challenging our old beliefs, like realizing you know, our parents may, weren't perfect and that we do have childhood traumas and that we do have these limiting beliefs and that we can grow. And to truly admit to yourself that I always tell myself in any situation, when I'm having a conversation or like a disagreement with somebody, I can control my perception that there's always a level of uh, power I have in, in, in realizing even my fault when I'm communicating with somebody, even with my kids, I'm like, okay, my kid's having a tantrum. Mm -hmm. Now that's not just them. It's like, what am I doing wrong? And to look at yourself and to change yourself first, because we want to change other people first. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, well, you're not doing this and doing, well, once you do this, then I can change. It's like, no, no, no. You change first. You Mm -hmm. are, yeah, how says you be the change you want to see. You need to focus on yourself. You need to do the self-development. Stop trying to blame people. Stop trying to victimize yourself. Like, take control of your life, take control of your perception, take control of yourself. And that is how we go further, which I know probably for a lot of people is really triggering because it's like, no, no, no. And, but, but it is though, you know, and a lot of people don't want to take that role of res- like accountability and responsibility in their lives. And like ego death is just, is doing that, is holding yourself accountable for your faults and, and working on them and to see, see yourself for who you are, because it's like, even when we get triggered by somebody else's negative behavior, a lot of those times, if you really look deep into it, there's a part of you that is doing that yourself. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to look and realize that, wow, like I could be like that. Like that's, that's me. And nobody wants to see that, you know? And I think it's just kind of stripping away the, the the facade and taking off your mask and seeing you for who you are. You know, we want to see everybody else for who we think they are, but we don't want to look at ourselves. And I think it's just turning like, turning the eye back onto ourselves to really look in the mirror and to reevaluate what we believe and who we are and work through that. Yeah. And that really does change the world because it, not only do we have the most power and control over ourselves, um, but it starts just affecting like the little conversations we have, how we're showing up, how we're being like, you're so right. We can't see something in someone else unless we see it in ourselves too. That's why like, every insult and on the flip side, every compliment is a projection. So mm-hmm. like we can't attach yep. ourselves to the negative, but we also can't attach, yes. can't attach ourselves to the positive. Yep. Cause like, I feel like this little thought experiment with myself. I'm like, cause before it used to be like, Oh, I had such a good day. And then I realized that my good days were when I felt like I looked good. And my bad days were when I felt like I looked bad. 
And now, especially with social media, I'm like, oh, I had such a good day. And I do this thought experiment with myself. I'm like, Mary, did you have a good day? Or did you get a lot of likes on Instagram? And I have to like be really real with myself as to like, what is causing that judgment about what (laughs) was good or bad? Like how, what am I using as my meter stick as to like Mm -hmm. how successful or productive or good I'm being? Is it about how much I ate is about, is it about the likes? Is it, and those are all like things that are ego stuff that we have to let mm-hmm. go of. Yep. For sure. Well, you know, that's so hilarious. Like I'm just over here, like cracking up on my <laughs> inside because it, the way I learned that was really funny because I had this video go viral. And I like, I think like the last time I checked, which was like, like a year ago, it was like 5 million views on it. And I like was reading the com- comments, and like at first it was like, "Oh yeah, it feels so good." Oh, all these people, and then all the negatives. I'm like, "Oh my god, mom, I think I should delete the video." Yeah. And it's just like this, like huge, like up and down, just so mm-hmm. triggering. And finally, I realized I'm like, even people's negative and positive perceptions are just that—that that you cannot hold on to them. Like it's like talks about. Um, I have these like Buddhist cards and it talks about the eight worldly winds and not being like whooshed up by them. And it's like that's that recognition. And then you're not getting recognized and you're like, Oh, oh, oh." and if you like flow with that so much, it kind of stunts your creativity. I'm having like a a aha moment because I've been struggling with this lately because I feel like I haven't been having a lot of traction lately. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? I just need to get off. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're getting caught up on the, the the other wind right there um and it's just it's so funny because I just I realized that in myself where it's like it's so easy to get caught up in the good but it's allowing yourself to be centered during it all it's like okay you know what like I put this out as a a form like expression creativity as like a sharing my light and this is not something I'm looking for approval or disapproval for this is just an expression of me and so that's that's, yeah. I think that's super awesome that you, have, you understand that as well. Oh, I feel that on a visceral level because I'm like, okay, independent of the result, what would I do right now? Like completely independent mm. of the feedback that I get, of the likes, of the monies, of the whatever. And that also translates into something like a relationship, for example, like independent of how he reacts, what do I need to say? Like, what is my mm, yeah. right Right. And so many times boundaries. Yep. uh, Boundaries. And so many times we base our next move, our decision, our what we are gonna say, what we're not gonna say, based on okay, well, how do we think they'll react? Okay, what will they like the most? Mm -hmm. What are they gonna compliment me? Okay, how are people gonna perceive this? And that's like that trap of living your life Mm -hmm. like it's a performance for other people, like it's a show, and that the definition of your (laughs) ego, loving that like theater that like you said is all about you the Mary show um mm-hmm. for me so yeah that resonates with me on a really deep level <laughs> deeper than I'd like to admit <laughs> yeah I know I'm like I don't feel like that at all right now <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, it's, a, it's a constant journey it's a constant um awareness that you have to it doesn't just you know go fix itself and it's I like how you tied it into your relationship because that's something even in 
in a relationship, uh, you, you have to be willing to say what you need to say. And it's not like in a mean way or anything, but it's, it's understanding you can't just give and put yourself in uncomfortable positions where, you know, like, this is not something I really want to do. And there's so many times I've been in relationships where I will be who they want me to be versus being, being true to myself. Mm-hmm. and not really being happy and I look back on relationships where I like cried at the end and I'm like you were not even yourself anyway that was not who you were like don't hold on to that like you you were playing like you said like a theater even in the relationship where you're like you want that approval so bad that you you almost that you abandon your identity to mm-hmm. end up being something for someone else when you when you're not even being who you want to be which ends up you know, not working the relationship anyway, because you were never true to yourself. So that's why done that. Talk to us Mm -hmm. about um, your current relationship and marriage and what, what that's been like for you. Not that I expect you to be my therapist, but I am selfishly asking (laughs) because I'm (laughs) through my views on um, marriage and commitment and relationships and being a mom not that it's all gonna happen tomorrow but it's something that I'm thinking about for sure um well I've been married for I'm like the worst at these okay I think for three years and we've been together for five um we this is really funny because I was just like like brainstorming this it's right as a post um marriage is something that I feel like a lot of people, it's seasonal, you know, it's not always spring. It's not pretty. It's not green. It's there's points in it where it's just bare branches that it's, it's not something you want to look at. The view sucks. And you're like, what is this supposed to be? You know? And there was a time because my husband, he came out to Oregon. He lived here for a year and a half before I moved up here and I lived in Texas and we traveled back and forth. I saw maybe once a month, once every two months. And we, like, it was just terrible. Like we couldn't see eye to eye. And a lot of it was me realizing, like, I was expecting him to do the, all these things differently. But it's like the ego of like having to realize, like, let me t- take account of what I can do. Because anytime I get mad at him, I'm like, well, what can you do? Like, stop worrying about what he's not doing and worry about what you can do in that moment. Cause all that energy you're spending on some worrying about somebody else could be used for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had to one realize I needed to live for me. I mean, we were at the point, like we were like, I told him, I'm like, I'm going to get divorced. Like this is, this is just not it. And we both like, we ended up going to therapy, which I think is like the most amazing thing ever, honestly, mm-hmm. therapy. And then also the pregnancy and birth of my last baby was like transformative for our marriage. Um, we had to really reevaluate. We came together. Like it, it was a true ego relationship. He liked me because I looked good. He was like this like swaggy, you know, successful guy. We were just like, you know, as much as you don't want to admit that, you know, it's, it's like hard to admit that to each other. Sometimes we're like, Oh, we totally came together for the wrong reason. Oh my God. <laughs> but, but like, and like realizing that though, you know, cause like people don't want to say that cause they're like, you're that's just so shallow, but it's like, but that's the truth. And if you don't want to realize that, like why you, you were with somebody, like you have a little deeper digging that needs to happen, but we kind of, we were just kind of out on the town. We were really well known 
like in Austin and we were just, you know, basically like, oh, we're a power couple, da 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 and all this <laughs> stuff and just, you know, just full of it. Lord have mercy. <laughs> it was so crazy. Um, but we had to dig deeper because that doesn't sustain a relationship. We, um, in the, the art of happiness by the Dalai Lama, he talks about how we are sold on romance and how we like want to have this romantic relationship. And we sold on this, like, Oh, well, this person needs to be like, you know, I'm not dating anybody less than eight, you know, type of mentality. And like, I understand because somebody's going to be like, well, I'm just not going to date somebody if I'm not attracted to them. I understand that. But I just like, like with self-love, you have to realize like your body is constantly and forever changing and you're aging. Like you're going to age. Your body is not going to look like the same body. And I always tell myself, if this person got in an accident and like, you know, lost a limb or they were blind or something just tr- completely traumatizing happened to them to where they're no longer looking the way that I, you know, the, the thing that I fell in love with, but I still want to be with them. Like, do they have a good heart? Do they have the same morals? Do they, are they as a human being, a good person? Mm-hmm. And we both didn't really know each other on a deeper level. And we had to really like fight through that. And we went to Gottman therapy. And I think like anybody whoever gets in a relationship should look up the Gottman, like go to a Gottman therapist because their way, the principles of what they have in like how they have relationships is just, it's, it's amazing. Um, and it was something where we had to talk through, you know, he had to understand the things he was doing wrong, but then I also had to understand, like, I remember this aha moment and it gives me chills thinking about it. Cause I remember as I was walking into our kitchen at our last house, I, I said out loud to myself, I'm like, he's never going to be enough. And I cried. I cried because I realized like nobody is going to make me happy. Nothing he does will ever make me happy. I have to find my happiness for me. I have to focus on myself and stop focusing on him. And not like not, fo- not stop focusing on him in the way like I don't love him, but focus on myself like I love me too. Mm-hmm. And that was something like I truly had to like let go of was that control. And even like him as a parent, like he wasn't there for a lot of time because, you know, we were states away and I had to like relinquish like, okay, he does things differently and like let go of the control of like, okay, he is their father and he's going to do his best. And any mom's going to tell you a dad's going to do things. And it's going to be kind of weird, you know, like the way he plays with them. I'm like, oh my gosh. And, you know, like he'll make them food. And I'm just like, oh, okay, I wouldn't have made that myself. But you know, they're fed and they're happy and that's all that matters. And just getting my ego out of it where it needs to be my way all the time and compromising um was like a big thing and just not being so like having to have everything my way. Um I think that helped <laughs> us a lot on my on my end. Um and we both just kind of keep meeting each other to where like, I'm like, I don't like this and, or I need this this way. And he's telling me, well, you know, well, this is important for me. And just like having communication, like we would sit down. And one of the big things with Gottman therapy is like creating rituals. So like having conversations of, and it's not like shallow conversations, like they have Gottman cards where you can find out like, oh, what's your favorite artist or what's your favorite, you know, random weird thing or, you know, like, well, what's your, what, where could you go on your dream vacation? Like having conversations, like getting to know somebody, we kind of 
we settle into relationships. We're like, okay, well, I, I know everything, but you don't know everything about somebody. And it's like constantly like seeking more knowledge of them to like find more. Cause like really we're 80% unconscious. So no matter how much we try to get to know somebody, like we don't know them, mm-hmm. you know, and just, it's that diving deeper. And, I, and people always say like, Oh, kids ruin marriages. And I'm like, well, the kids are an easy excuse to say why they ruin marriages because yes, it's harder. It's harder to make time. It's harder to do anything. It's like, if you had a business, it's like, yes, it's harder to make time for somebody when you're constantly working, but it's like, you will never have time for anything you don't make time for. Mm-hmm. And people want to tell, I don't have time. You, know, you have time to Netflix. You have time to get on Instagram. You have time, you know, to freaking chat on your friends every day on FaceTime. Like you have time to work on your relationships. You have time to work on yourself. There is enough time in the day. And nobody wants to hear that because that means they have to be accountable, you know? And I think with a relationship in general, it's just holding yourself always accountable for what you could be doing better first before you look at them. Because there's always something you could be doing better. Mm-hmm. That's something like I really had to learn through a marriage. And it's like amazing. I love being married to my husband's amazing. I he's the most amazing person I know. He's so inspirational and he's like <laughs> I'm like, don't cry. <laughs> uh. like, honestly, he makes me feel so beautiful and he makes me feel so smart. And like I never valued myself that much. And my dad never really valued me. He told me one time I was a lost cause and I still rings in my head you know that's something I have to get over but um he has never once made me feel incapable and if anything he makes me feel like I can rule the world and I love him for that like he's amazing just had to add that in there (laughs) kind of love we all look up to it sounds like something that started off as like you said a little superficial turned into like one of the deepest most wholesome um supportive relationships that I've ever heard of yeah it's it's scary because I I told him not too long ago honestly I was like I'm scared to feel joy I'm scared to feel this happiness because a lot of times like when you know that stupid phrase um too much of a good thing is bad and Mm -hmm. I'm like how is too much of a good thing bad like logically like does it make sense if it was really that good it should like good things will never be bad mm-hmm. at the end of the day like that's just not that's logic that's illogical you know it's like an oxymoron where you're like alone together um well I heard a comedian say that like hey take the opposite of two words and put them together and it'll sound intelligent <laughs> yeah exactly. put them together, like you know so good it's bad so bad it's good yeah like, like that this mm-hmm. <laughs> who it was but I literally just watched a comedy skit on it like you're gonna sound smart if you just <laughs> no but that's but that's exactly the mentality and like I had to realize like I can like be happy with him because I'm like in my head I'm projecting and insecurities of like can we do that like oh well this person did this to me and if it's too good like I wonder what he's doing behind my back because if he's this if we're this happy like there must be something else and like trying to find things to negate my happiness and like just allowing myself to like you know what like I can be happy because these things are just stories. A lot of times we give ourselves storylines of like, oh, well, this person must be out to get me type of thing, that that victim mentality. But it's like, that's not even the reality of it. And having to get myself through the, you know, the limiting beliefs I'm having of like actually feeling, because like, I remember it's like how your first love, like you just give yourself to that Mm -hmm. person. 
And then like every person after that, that breaks your heart, you give a little less and a little less. And by the time I got to my husband, it was just like, it was hard. And then I am finally at the point where like, I feel like I have that. And this is crazy. Um, but that like first time love, but then some, cause there's even like a higher level of comfort of it. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it encompasses all of that. It encompasses all the pain I've ever felt. And it's like, put put it's like a seed in the ground that's now blossomed into something beautiful and and it's amazing wow that sounds amazing I think that waiting for the second shoe to drop mentality I heard that phrase somewhere um Mm -hmm. like me especially when Stan and I first got together because I wasn't used to such a stable healthy love like I was so used to fighting and I was so used to yelling at each other and then making up and make up sex and like you know drama Mm -hmm. and the first journal prompt that my therapist ever had me do was why are you addicted to abusive drama filled love and that was Mm. like my, my journal question um because for me like it's just how I internalize like what love is like you said you give like a little bit less of yourself with every relationship and I couldn't like accept the fact that like I was just like, I was deserving of like healthy love and somebody not mm-hmm. really abusing me and, you know, communication and boundaries, like things like that, um, that I confused with, oh, we're probably not in love because it's not passionate. Because so many times we confuse, yeah. right? Passion with drama. Yeah. And and it's, it's like, the, I was reading about relationships a while ago and I was talking about, like how our hormones are literally like the reason why we fall in love. If you look up the hormones that are, that are kind of, you know, flowing through our bodies when we first fall in love. And like, I've had moms reach out to me like, well, my, my boyfriend, my husband is telling me like, Oh, I changed because like who I was at the beginning of a relationship. Like I'm not that person anymore. Like none of us are that person at the beginning of a relationship. That is just all hormones. And if you look up the amount of hormones and the different, like, Mm-hmm. It's just it's not just even like one it's there's so many and it's it's insane like our bodies have just like biologically fall in love like it's a mm-hmm. physical thing and that's why we're so like oh well that physical aspect of a relationship is gone well like yeah because you know hormones go away it's like after you you run away from somebody and you like are drained it's kind of like your body just kind of like uh and you come to homeostasis and we have these like expectations that it's supposed to be the romance like getting stuck on the ego thing where it's I just want it to feel good like that physical but it's love is deeper than that it's not just like I fit like yes like sex is important in a relationship but it's not the relationship like mm-hmm. there are so many other aspects to it and we kind of hold on to you know that those first six months that first year where it's just like la, 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 la. yeah and, you know <laughs> but it's like that's not it like that, that's if you want to hold on to like, like that will never be and you'll just cycle through and it's coming to terms with they are not who they're going to be. You're not going to be even the same person you were at the beginning and just kind of coming to terms with like we're all human and that we're flawed and we all have to get through it. And no matter who you're with, you're constantly going to be unhappy with them until you realize you are responsible for your own happiness first. Mm, like that moment you had in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I like it's yep. nobody's gonna make me happy nobody can make me feel a certain way like that really is up to me mm-hmm. for sure oh amen yep. to that amen <laughs> to Monday here that we're recording that is just amazing can I I want to ask you one more 
question. Um, how has being a mom, you have twins that are three and a half and a baby that's seven months. Um, how mm-hmm. has that, you said it strengthened your relationship, especially your, your, your latest child. Um, how, why, and tell us more about that. I'm really curious. Um, so with our last one, um, little Brooklyn, we, um, we actually, it was funny. We were like, we're planning, we're going to have a third one. And then like a week later, I found out I was pregnant and I swore I was pregnant. Cause I remember I thought I was pregnant in December and I took, I don't even, not even joking, like 50 pregnancy tests. Like I was, just, I swore I was pregnant. Like I just, like, I, I feel like I manifested the heck out of that because my husband was kind of like on the fence about the three kids thing. He's like, I don't know. Cause you know, it was just such a hard thing for a relationship. Um, but then we found out I was pregnant and I realized I'm like, I want to do this differently because with my twins, I, it was not very mindful. We don't realize when we're carrying life and it's like, there's like a line where I don't want someone to feel like they're not doing their best because they're in stress, especially someone's pregnant right now. It's like this whole COVID thing going on that like they aren't doing their best because they're stressed out or they're, you know, they're limited on finances or anything like, you know, there's a lot of stress going on right now. Um, but we're responsible. Like our child is in the womb and it's like those hormones are going through our baby and the baby's like, okay, this is what life's like on the outside. So let me prepare for myself for that. And like, they are conditioning themselves to be used to that high level of stress. So we're kind of like passing that down. What you're experiencing, um, is, um, is important in how we're being. Um, and so I, I went to I remember calling I called um hypnobirthing so hypnobirthing is like mindful birthing and one of the big things about hypnobirthing is that it's taking back the power of your pregnancy and your birth and I'm like moving out to Oregon like none of my friends were like really supportive of like my breastfeeding journey they were like you're breastfeeding too long and just it was like a whole lot of like well you need doctors and all these things and the thing with hypnobirthing was like realizing like you see women giving birth and like, there's probably like a whole bunch of women who are probably going to listen to this and be like, she's full of it. But I'm just honestly telling you like watch, I've watched videos of women like who've had orgasmic births who are literally like they're in such a high place. And someone's like, that's disgusting. I'm like, no, the same amount of, the same hormones that you have during orgasm are going through your body when you're giving birth, you know? And like, I've seen women like, not in pain, not screaming, not like, not like they don't even like, it was so beautiful because that's not what we're told. We're told we need to be in a hospital setting. We're told that we can't handle the pain. We're told that it's all these things, but it's not, it's not even pain because like, even when I go through it and like, that's one of the things you watch your wording. You don't talk to people about the negative experiences and like being in an environment where there's only positivity being spoken. Um, you know, my husband and I went to birthing classes together and we're doing, uh, like doing self hypnosis of like getting myself to ultimate level of calm and just letting my body go and just imagining my baby. I had like vivid dreams of her and like, just, it was the most connected experience I had with her and with him. Cause every night he had to guide me through exercises that we did together to help keep me calm and everything and to help like relax me. And he was like my guided like we were doing it together it wasn't just like oh well you're pregnant you're doing the birth by yourself like no you are the birth partner you are responsible for a piece of this too and being there for me because like men were taught like men just oh go home like the woman's gonna have her baby you come back later like no we had this baby together we're gonna we created this baby together we're gonna have this baby together and it was just the most 
connecting experience because we both had to reach a higher level of mindfulness of becoming like a calm breath is like being aware of my breath grounding myself all the time not allowing myself to get stressed and worked out even though I had twin toddlers it was like still work like working through that and being present because you know it's so you like kids are triggering as heck sometimes but it's always being aware of like seeing ourselves outside of our emotions like you can like being a witness to your thoughts instead of becoming instead of acting upon your thoughts you know Mm -hmm. like you're feeling anger but it's like i'm feeling anger but i don't need to act angry you know which is not hard because i definitely yell at my kids sometimes you know but (laughs) but um when it comes to that experience i had with her even though i still ended up having a c-section with her i was in labor for like five days um it was start stop um but every he was there for me like the whole time you know i wasn't in pain i would be lying to you if i told you it was painful it's intense like it is the most intense thing but if you're present and you know the funny thing is like you try to run away from pain and it's like you can't running away from pain makes things more painful and it's just like sitting and sitting in it and just like allowing your body to do what it needs to do. Cause like, it's like, I trust my baby and I trust my body. Like we were not created to not be able to give birth. We have given birth for centuries without intervention. And like, even the person who created hypnobirthing, they, the doctor noticed women in poor conditions who didn't have access to doctors were having less maternal deaths than women that were having births in hospitals because they were having all these interventions, all these cervical checks. Like you don't need to have your cervix checked every freaking 30 minutes. Like you don't like, I think I have my cervix checked twice during those five days, you know? And it's like, they want you to check your cervix. They want to do this. And like, even like the lighting, you know, you think about when animals give birth, they go somewhere dark, you know, and Mm -hmm. you know, just serene and you don't need all these interventions. And like, at, for me, it was, you know, he was just there for me and it was the most bonding experience. Like it was for me an evolution of myself, like realizing like how power, like I can get through this, you know, at a point, which I'm glad, like your body will tell you when things need to be done. I was like five days and I was already having for normal labor for like a week before that, which is kind of like between Braxton Hicks and actual labor con- um, contractions, which in hypnobirthing, they're called surges. Um, cause contractions kind of sounds like a negative word for it, but, mm-hmm. um, and you know, my body, like at one point I just scream out, I'm, I need, I'm done. And it wasn't like me. I didn't feel like it was me, but I'm glad I went because at the end of the day, like my uterus wasn't contracting back because of all the exhaustion of it just like con- consistently having days upon days of doing it. And had I not been in the hospital, which I'm not saying like being in the hospital is not a bad thing. Okay. Like there's a time and place for the medical community. And I appreciate them being there for me because I wouldn't have had, you know, probably made it through it because I needed to be there because I would have probably bled to death had I not been there. And she also was swallowing meconium, which was basically like pooped in the womb and was like, and swallowed it. And it was really, it can be a lot of complications. Luckily she didn't have any, but at that point I knew that my body needed to go, but he was there for me the whole time. And just being more mindful and being more empowered through my pregnancy and my birth. Like I didn't have a negative experience like I did with the twins. And I felt like I was able to heal from it. And he was more, he was able to be more present because he had the journey of, he wasn't really there with the twins and 
you know, being there for the birth and being there to support me and everything. And so it was just him stepping up and me allowing him to be there for me because, you know, we get into our masculine energy of, well, I don't need help. And I think a lot of times, like, we don't want to sit in our feminine energy of like, it's okay to have help. It's okay to, you know, be a woman. It's okay not to like take upon the man's role, even though like, I'm sure there's feminists who probably like don't want to agree with me on that one, but that's fine. Um, I do think there's a power in the feminine energy mm-hmm. and allowing him to be his role and allowing me to be in my role. And we, we just created this incredible bond during it. And even now it's like, even now it's like amazing. Like he gets to, he's experienced her babyhood a lot different than he did the twins and he's able to be more present. And we're both, you know, we're able to make time. It's like people like, well, how do you have energy to like work out? How do you time? Or what do you, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you have to be disciplined. It's not just going to come easy. Like, yeah, of course, if I chose, if, if I gave myself the option of not working out, you know, for me, it's like for working out for me is like mental health and being able to keep up with my kids, you know, I love it. It makes me feel good. And I'm like, I do it because it makes you feel good. And I know that when I'm 80 years old, because my husband's grandma, she's 80 something years old. And she's like prances around running around with my kids. And I like, honestly, tell, it's like the most impressive thing I've ever seen. But I asked her, I was like, how do you do it? I was like, how? Like, she's like, I just do it. That's literally what she told me. I just do it. Like, you don't, like, there's no reason. You just do it. You know, you make time for the things you want to make time for you and you do it. And I think like, we make time for each other. We make a point to do it, to bond, to work on our relationship, to be present with the kids. You know, he works 12 hours a day, but he still makes time. He's always home for dinner, always home to bathe the kids, you know, always there for me. And, you know, I think it's just not being so selfish all the time. And it just, I think her, the twins were the catalyst for me to change. And also him as well, but like for me, it was huge. But she was a catalyst for our marriage that caused us to, to get closer. And I'm like, kids don't ruin marriages. Like excuses ruin marriages. You know, like you can find reasons why. And it's not getting stuck on the winter season where there's no blooms and there's no green. And it's knowing that even if that that at the end at the end of the day, like sometimes fighting through it. I saw I was reading there was a study that people who got divorced were not any happier than people who stayed in the marriage five years later. And it's showing you, it's not necessarily the relationship and like we can, and, and people actually that, that stuck it out and worked on it, were able to get through it and were happier than people that end up leaving. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think leaving's easier. And of course there are definitely situations where you should leave. Like there's definitely, they don't ever feel bad if you're in a book abusive relationship emotionally physically whatever like don't stay in those but like sometimes we can work through it it's not perfect you know but we but we understand we have the tools to kind of get through that and I think that kids were if anything were the best thing that ever happened to both of us and I'm sure my husband would vouch for that (laughs) oh I'm really inspired I'm really inspired it's like a good note um to wrap up where can we find you follow you work with you and have more of your good good vibes good juju <laughs> um well on instagram it's married mom and mantras um on youtube it's married mom and mantras also which i still need to work on that and my website is marriedmomandmantras.com 
Um, and if anybody wants, like I do a mom um, mentorship of kind of empowering mothers to take back the, the control in their lives. Cause especially being a mom, you give out so much and you kind of forget to fill up your own tank and it's kind of helping you create micro habits that allow you to feel empowered for yourself and to get you back on track of putting yourself first, not in a selfish way, but in a self-care, self-loving, like mm-hmm. empowered way. So yeah. Cause self-love is expansive. It's like the least selfish thing yes. to do. Um, yeah, like, exactly. You're talking about like when we're when we didn't have self love, it was like always thinking about ourselves, always worrying about ourselves, always like wondering how we look, like those kinds of things. Whereas self love is the exact opposites. The evolution that you talked about through this whole episode, it's expansive. It is. Yeah. Thank it's you amazing. so much, Jasmine. Uh, it was beautiful. Thank I'm you. feeling so inspired. I can't wait to go cut all my boo. Um, and make babies. <laughs> I know, seriously, it's just like a shift in perspective that we all need because I think the narrative we hear a lot, which is important, but I just, we don't hear the other side of it, but like relationships are hard. Motherhood is hard. Oh, just you wait, you know? Um, and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff can be very daunting to say the least. So you, you just gave me a whole shift in perspective, which is what I'm all about. Thank you so much. Of course. I'm just so grateful I was able to talk to you. I enjoyed it. Ah, I love you. Okay. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye, Jasmine. We'll see you later. Bye.